Meet Tom. He's a good guy. The kind of guy you invite over to watch a football game or call when you need a jump start. Between work and family, Tom's got a lot on his plate. But when he found out that saving lives is as easy as checking a box, he signed up to be an organ donor. Because good guys save lives. Get the facts on how you could someday save eight lives and see how easy it is to register at goodguyssavelives.com. Good Saturday morning to you. This is the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Get in early so we can get that uh, question answered and get you back on the road over to the parts store. Boy, today's going to be a tough day to work on the car because it's uh, dipped down and got cold last night. A little blustery. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I guess you'd, you'd get, get some diagnostic in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah, just sit in the car, warm it up. Yep. Get some diagnostic in, time in, figure out what that is. Uh, you know, as we cars are so complicated anymore, you need to kind of figure out what it is because everything's got to talk to itself and figure out what's going on. It goes through all the different modules. So you, then you can get to the parts store. Yeah. And then you can fix it this afternoon once it warms up or tomorrow. I guess yeah. you got tomorrow. I mean, the sun's out. I mean, it can't be too terrible. Nah, it won't bad. take that long. It won't take that long to warm up. You know, if you got a kind of a spot away from the wind and the sun. Yeah. Well, you're going to want to do that repair in the in the, in the the sun. Don't, don't do it on the uh, north side of the building, north side of the house, north side of the garage. Boy, I've been there. Not today. <laughs> so I'm Bob. Next to me is Kyle, as always. Uh, we are Buchanan Service Centers at 50th and Dodge, 80th and Dodge, Guaranteed Breaks, 49th Avenue and Dodge. So stop in, see us. We'll help you fix your car, get it back on the road. You know, Kyle, I was seeing the other day, you know, there's ever an ever quest for how fast we can go. Hmm. You know, we got a new land speed record. Yes. The Koenigs, the Koenigsegg um, is, a, is a place over in Germany or a guy over in Germany that builds his own cars. And maybe you've heard that car. And, oh, and I've heard of that car. Yeah. Some people, there's, it's kind of like a, you know, the, the Bugatti Veyron, where it's just a something. That, I think it's an incredibly amazing car in itself. I mean, just the engine wise is what I've read about. I mean, I've seen pictures of them, but yeah, it's all I focus one, more on the engine. Yeah. It's all one guy that, that uh, engineers everything, puts it together. They're all hand built. Um, you remember when we tried to get to go, you know, 200 mile an hour. Well, now this particular twin turbocharged five liter V8, 1600 horsepower, 1100 feet tor- uh, torque, pound feet of torque, 330 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, the interesting, cause I've been following this guy for some years now, he's been working on this particular platform. That engine has no camshaft. Oh yeah, and yeah, they do have. Uh, it's fired on oil pressure and electronic solenoids, mm-hmm. and then they pump air into the cylinder, slam the valve shut. Somewhere that guy has a warehouse full of bent valves. What do you want to say? <laughs> and just beat up pistons. <laughs> I do know from reading it up on this guy a little bit, he does have a three hundred horsepower three cylinder engine. That he has in one. Boy, of the, put that in a riding mower. I know it. I know it. One horse, one hundred horsepower per cylinder. I've got this mental image of kind of like Christmas vacation sled scene with a lawnmower. Yeah, and, well, and it, uh, the amazing thing is, is that it runs and it doesn't vibrate out of whatever he's putting it in, and it uh, doesn't blow up. So all three of those that things thing's are gotta amazing. be just screaming. I mean, you're <laughs> I, talking like. Three cylinders, I mean, give or take the size of the cylinders. I mean, if there's a size of a soda can, I mean, you're going to be 12,000 RPM. Yeah. (laughs) 
and I'm not sure what the the you know I'm not sure how how long the uh, the amount of payment schedule would be for you, Kyle. But it's it's three million dollars. Well, that ain't bad. So maybe you can get a house loan for that if you want. I need some you know flexible payments. I'm looking for something like two twenty five a month for like <laughs> ever the next twelve <laughs> generations of my last name. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to find out. What's the warranty like on that thing? Does it say? I, you know, I never I mean, did look. I don't know that it has a warranty. If I pay over a million dollars, I expect to see lifetime warranty. <laughs> but you're going to go 330 mile an hour, so mm-hmm. you know everything's going to break. Yeah, and, full and coverage. The cost to maintain that is astronomical. You know, it doesn't say what it is, but, it, you know. Well, I remember reading, like, the average oil change on the Bugatti Veyron was, like, 21 grand. Yeah. And it's like uh, twenty five thousand put a set of tires on it because they've got to be special things that are going to go three hundred mile an hour. Yeah, know. yeah, you don't want to do that on your donut tires. No, <laughs> no, you want you want you don't. Yeah, you don't. You you want to. I guess you want to go up to three thirty and come back down safe. That's that's really mm. what it's about. <laughs> I don't know. Goodness. So you kind of I I have to imagine this morning that it got down to eleven degrees at most people's cars started i haven't got any jump start calls this morning so i think no. we, i think we well got we some. did all the batteries yeah i think already. we did all the we batteries did all the batteries already yeah. we're good there just a little surprise it'd be that way but you know it's it's going to come back up and be a little bit warm again so but it's just a shock yeah we made it through fall spring now we're back to second winter <laughs> yeah that is that is true that is true uh, you know, another thing I noticed too, that another article I seen, and this was um, this was an interesting deal that was kind of spear by spearheaded by somebody here in town that uh, they got nearly five thousand car dealerships across the nation to uh, kind of sign something and kind of hit in and and send this to Joe Biden on the fact that uh, we're moving just way too fast on on electric cars. Sure. A lot of people can't catch up with it uh, right now. With the there's there's such a shift, and they were popular. Now the things have fallen off considerably. Mm-hmm. Um, certain car brands are, are just all but fifty percent down. Some are three percent down. This is you know across the board on a lot of different cars, and it's just going too quick. And you know a lot of there are some dealerships out there that said you know if you want to be okay with the electric car deal you're going to have to spend a you know five hundred thousand dollars per dealership to be up to our standards well now all of a sudden they, they're kind of backing out and say i don't want to do that mm-hmm. it's just a it's a half a million dollar prospect for something i don't know what i'm going to do with i agree 100 percent with that article but i mean to second that i mean the training isn't there i mean no, no, training's not there, and you're, you're going to have a bunch of uh, you've got you know one or two techs maybe that are that are really up on that, and the rest of them are you know know what they're doing. I as mean, far for as us aftermarket guys, I mean, we're lucky to see a seminar about hybrid cars. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the works for anything EV. You know, and interestingly enough, uh, a lot of uh, Detroit and other people are seeing that. This EV thing is going just a little. They were nobody wanted to be left behind, so mm-hmm. everybody had to jump on the the train to get going. And now they're to the point where it's a stall. And there's there's a lot. Interestingly enough, Toyota was one that just stuck with the the gas hybrids. They sure. did not want to go electric. Well, they got kind of forced to go electric. They have electric cars, but for the most part, they researched the heck out of. 
the gas hybrids, and that's yeah. where they wanted to go. Well, well I, yeah, I mean, they've revolutionized yeah. Oh, well, gas yeah. hybrids. They're uh, the yeah. best in the business. Prius, yeah, they are, because Prius, Prius has been around for, what, 25 years, yeah. uh, somewhere in that neighborhood, and, and they've just got that car down. They, they just you see them out running all over the place. They get 50 miles plus a gallon. I mean, they had their problems early, but they fixed them right away. Yeah. And like anything Toyota, whether it's a gas engine, diesel, whatever, they stand behind their stuff. Yeah. And the warranties. Well, second and to there are other people too that are now seeing the, the benefits of going over to maybe a hydrogen. Sure. Or, or a gas hydrogen um, or, you know, something like that. So it, it'd be interesting how the, how all of a sudden we, take a right-hand turn and, and start heading towards those things that they've been starting to develop. Because mm-hmm. you remember GM doing a, the EV. That was EV1 back in the early 90s. Yeah. And we just, we've gotten farther down the road, but not a lot farther down the road. I don't know. It's Sometimes it just takes a while for everything to shift. So you just, you can't throw it all, and no matter what it is. You know, gasoline's taken a long time to get to the efficiencies that we have now in the and the complexities that we have now compared to what we had in the 70s. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Okay, well, I think we're going to take a quick break on the Mr. Mechanic Show. 558-1110 is the numbers to get in. Lawrence has got a 2020 Ram pickup. Lawrence, what's going on today? Well, uh, I'm a little confused with it. I've been having trouble. I think I've been having trouble with the depth system. About a week and a half ago, I got in. And the uh, gauge said zero after I'd put in probably a gallon and a half or two gallons. Uh, does that set off the, uh, the alarms on that depth system, just the gauge? The, the reason I'm asking is because I took it into my local repair shop. I don't live in Omaha there. And uh, they said, well, we're going to need to get it in to look at it. We don't know what's going on with it. Uh, I ran out of the 150 miles that it warned me about and took it in. They reset it so I could make it to the date they had scheduled. And uh, about two days ago, the gauge started working, and I haven't had any warning since then. Hmm. Well, you've got a you got a level sensor in that in that tank, just like you would in a fuel pump, and uh, it, there's either on that particular sensor or or something inside there. I can't remember what it was, but they're going to have a low low indicator. Mm-hmm. So and that low indicator is going to tell you that it's getting low. I mean, it's there's just a sensor in there that that's, that says that. Now, the deaf fluid that I see half the time is just every time you look underneath there, there's either it's all crusty, you know, it's just and that stuff just gets it burns up the heater in there, and uh, a lot of things just get crusty, and it's not like gas. Or diesel, it's really or, corrosive. Okay. Yeah, it's really, but it's, you know, it's mostly water with a little bit of you know urea in there, and, and it just seems like when it hits air or what have you, it just wants to crystallize. Well, I, I, I guess is the best way. I've so, always, I've always been a little afraid of it. I don't let it get down below three quarters according to the gauge, but mm-hmm. I was just wondering if that gauge would set off all the, uh, the sensors saying that it needs service. And it very well could, I, I would guess. I would guess it would, yes. Just because it's if it's okay. bad on that sensor, it's saying it's low and and uh, that and that's an emissions mandated add-on to these diesel trucks, and so any issue that it sees with it, it's going to make it bring it to your attention 
right away. Yeah. It, yeah. So the answer is yes. It, it's just going to be like a, a fuel pump where it's got a normal gauge. And then when it gets down to the very bottom, it triggers something else that says, hey, I'm low. Well, like I said, the, the day before that it went to zero, it had a quarter in it. And then all of a sudden it was, I started getting lights. I was just wondering, I, I've driven it about 75 miles since the dealer reset it. And uh, it hasn't showed anything since the gauge is working. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you only got two choices here. You got three choices. You either got the the sending unit that's in there, you got wiring, or you got something in the gate and the, the dash. And I, I think the wiring and the dash are probably a, a far cry to be the what the problem on is on that new vehicle. Absolutely. Yeah, on that new vehicle, I would think I'd be, be more going right sensors. to the tank first. Yep. Well, I was going to still take it in anyway uh, sure. for a different problem, and but I'm okay. I thank you for your time. Yeah, we appreciate the call. All right, we're going to head over to Tim. Tim's got a 16 uh, Ram ProMaster. Tim, what's going on today? Hey, how are you guys doing? Great. It's not that bad on the south side of the house. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I got a uh, transmission is flipping on it just a little bit, mostly reverse. Um, it was replaced at 50,000 miles, so I don't think these are too good a transmission mm-hmm. in the first place. But um, I haven't messed with it. I was going to take it in, but I was going to drop the pan first and see. You know, I don't know if it's a module or or if it's just shot. I think they're pretty bad transmissions from uh, what I've seen. Uh, yeah. Slipping tells me that, you know, the module's probably telling the thing to shift. Right. Because you are moving in reverse. You can have breakdown of clutches, mm-hmm. internal hydraulic fluid leaks. Seals. Seals. So or... A is weak it, solenoid. Is it only? Yeah. Is it only in reverse? Um. Yeah. Pretty much. Okay. I mean, it's just it's really first. You know, first starting off in the morning. Mm-hmm. And you know, going. Oh, f- I'll roll forward a little bit first to start, and then put it in reverse. But, but but going forward seems to be okay. Yeah. And you know, there's the I don't know who the dipstick at Ram that don't put a dipstick in these things, but <laughs> so you can't check that. I got to go buy it. I know it. I know it. You know that just saved twelve bucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. but it saved it saved four dollars on their side, and you, I know, four I know. four times four million is a lot of money, and uh, that's why they don't do it. <laughs> no, I hear you, but it, yeah, but if I drop the pan down and it's full of stuff, I'm sure it's shot at that. Yeah, point. and you know that's the first step that we take is just that when we've got problems like that. Everything's going to go to the bottom. Yep. Gravity takes a hold, drops it to the bottom. You pull the pan, and you got all sorts of a mess down there. Then, then, then your decision's yep. made. You know where you're going. But if it's only in yep. reverse, then yeah, you might. Like Kyle said, you know that the solenoid is telling it to shift and go in, into reverse. You're more than likely got some bypass with some fluid around seals or you know something else in that area. But did you have any codes at all? Have you checked that? No. Nope, not shooting. At least nothing on the dash. I haven't. I haven't plugged it in anywhere, but as yeah. far as I can tell, no. Yeah, and, and you're probably going to need a scanner that allows you to be able to get into the to the transmission of the powertrain control. A lot of times, if you go to just a parts store, they'll give you engine codes, engine codes, PO codes. But PO is not what you're after. You're looking for P codes, and uh, yeah, it has to get a little more in depth in order to be able to get to that. So that's the first place we always start because that just gives you a, uh, uh, you know, what base am I on? Am I heading towards third base to look for the problem or if I got nothing and I got to start with just all visual checks? But 
the reason I say that too is if you go in and drop the pan down, at least you have an idea that I'm going to go in and maybe check that over there instead of just looking at it. You you have an idea. Yeah, I'll, I'll do that first. I got to shop, so yeah. But uh, I, otherwise, I got to take all my tools out to take it in, and that's a pain in the rump. <laughs> yeah, I know it. I <laughs> I know it. Yeah, they, and they do have some, uh, you know, as we've talked about in the past, this is one car you don't want to let the battery go dead in. Oh, God. No, don't do that. Uh, this is, you know, we've had one of these specifically so that, that you just want everything let dead when it got this cold weather. Um, everything had to be reprogrammed because it just got, went so dead, lost all the communication to every module. Um, just well, an FYI, you probably don't have that problem, but just so you know. No, no. But, all right. I appreciate the call, Tim. All right. Thanks, guys. You bet. We're going to head over to Ray. Ray's got a 2016 Silverado. Ray, what's up today? Oh, not much. Um, I've called in a couple times with different things. So Hmm? this one I got is a 2016 Silverado, and my washer fluid, I've checked all three under the hood and both sides of the dash. Everything is fine, but I've got no fluid. Like it's leaking, or you're not spraying it on the window. Nope. Say that again. Do I have what? It, it, is it is it uh, it's not coming to the to the windows? Not not coming. Right. To the, okay, it's not coming to the sprayer. You can hear the pump moving. Yeah, I, and I can't hear the pump. Okay. All right. So I hope you can hear me better yep, now. Yep. Sorry. I can hear you. So we're going to go straight to the pump. We're Let's getting, see what's happening at the pump. It's only two wires. You got power and ground when somebody's holding the switch on. So generally what I do, because most cases I'm a one-man army, I'll use yeah. a light, like any light bulb in a car. You know, we have some junk ones. I just cut the wires, mm-hmm. and I'll run that up to under the hood where I can see it. I'll go in the car. I'll turn the key on. I'll hold the switch. If that light lights up, I know I got power and ground there. I need a pump. Yeah, a lot of times that uh, washer fluid is kind of corrosive, and uh, it will just go right through that plastic pump, and it'll seep in and get to the little electric parts and just kind of lock it up. up. Yep, that's what happens most of the time. Uh, and if you, um, if you have a helper... Fairly simple. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, man. It's yeah. not going to be tough. You're going to have to take your inner fender liner back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But other than that, it's not hard. Now, it looks hard underneath the hood, look because all it's underneath the car. Yeah, because every, you can't see every it. washer bottle now is just has a neck sticking out, and everything is is uh, stuck underneath into the fender or behind the bumper, all that kind of stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, if, right. if you take the inner fender down, it's pretty much right there. One connector, and it just kind of pops off of there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll. Uh... I'll probably just schedule one with you this time. I want to. <laughs> sure. Well, no trouble. No problem. We do it all the time. And if you do do it on your own, you, you, you if you get a pump, make sure you get an O-ring or, or the grommet that goes with it because the grommet It'll will be hard. It'll always leak. It'll always leak. It'll always be hard. We want a nice, soft grommet to pop in there so that it seals a whole bunch better. If not, right. yeah, bring it by. We'll we'll figure it out and find out which one we got and, and uh, get you taken care of. It's, it's that time of year, isn't it? It just got to oh, happen. Oh, yeah. Well, my mother in law goes to your shop for all kinds of stuff. So, well, good. Well, good. We appreciate her business. All right. Well, thank you, guys. You bet, Ray. Thanks for the call. All right. We're going to head over to Jerry. Jerry's got an 05 Honda Pilot. Jerry, what's going on today? Well, 
Um, it's actually just like an estimate question. Um, and it's kind of, I always listen to you guys and I really like your opinion on stuff. Good. So we took our, my husband's, uh, 2005 pilot to our regular guy and usually does a pretty good, uh, job. And, you know, of course you always think the labor's high, but, um, you know, they fix what needs to be fixed. Mm-hmm. But we took his, his pilot in because his, uh, vent, the air wouldn't blow up on his windshield. He was getting heat on his seat, but nothing up on top. So we took it in and we got a kind of a crazy, because it's kind of our family hoopty. You know, we only fix what's broken. Right. And so um, we were kind of surprised. We got a, we paid a, like $159 for a, um, a, what do you call it? A diagnostic kind of figure, the kind of an office visit to figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mind because, you know, I know the guy's got to, you know, make a living. So, you know, but they gave us an estimate for like $2,600. And it was for a heater box, uh, <clears throat> heater coil, blah, 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 you know, for $2,600. Mm-hmm. And we thought, well, it's more than the car is worth, so we'll skip it for now. But we had a guy, another guy, give us a second opinion. And actually, he just put in a uh, blower motor for, you know, a couple hundred dollars with this mm-hmm. labor. And so I'm thinking, you know, we paid $159 for a diagnostic that really wasn't accurate. What's your feeling on, does a customer have any recourse to go back to that place and say, look, here's my receipt for what's fixed? We told, you know, because we told them that we only wanted it just to blow. I mean, we don't need it to, you know, be perfect. But so what do you think about something like that? It's just I have a hard time. Um, spending $159 for a diagnostic that was not correct. Yeah, so the the blower motor fixed your your issue with, with the, the yeah. okay, so that's what so it everything's was. working fine now. Yeah, so yeah, perfect. Okay, was there any and I just got to ask a couple of quick questions was there anything else that, that came along with that or <clears throat> since you only fixed some things but not others but the blower motor fixed all of your problems, all your concerns. Yeah, the blo- yeah, the blower motor was the only concern. It fixed it. My husband said it's blowing the best it's blown since we bought the car. You know, the switches work, the, the louver doors. I mean, we don't have any other problems. It fixed what we asked to be fixed. So, I don't think it's out of the, the realm of uh, at least going back in and have a conversation about it and say, hey, this is what uh, this is what wanted to do, and this is kind of what we paid for, and it turned out to be just a blower motor, and... You know, hey, can we make some compensation on this? Or the next right, time, the next right. time we come in, can we do this and do that and say, hey, that's not what fixed the problem? I, I think having a a conversation is is the right way to do it. Um, yeah, especially since you've been with the guy a couple of years. You yeah, know, but you feel really awkward. <laughs> well, I, you know, you just you got to bring it up. The worst case, he's going to tell you is no. But uh, at, at this particular point, you've. Uh, and, and the diagnostic kind of exists there anymore for car repair just because they are so complicated in order to figure it out. I mean, right. you've got um, everybody that does this kind of work has machines that rain in, range into the eight to $10,000 range, you know, and they sometimes you have one or two scanners. And then it's right. $3,000 a year to update these two scanners. So there's a lot of mm-hmm. cost involved in it, and, and you have to – spend time to get into it read because if you go through what is actually a problem maybe there's a recall for this 
We have another right. another technical service bulletin that says, okay, to solve this problem, you got to go do this. And that might be where that's at. They might say yeah. the problem that you're having, and I, that if you solve that particular problem, Honda says, or the, the manufacturer says, in order to solve this problem long term, you need to go do this and this and this, right. because that's what the, every mechanic that, that fixes cars wants to fix it to the point where it, it's not a comeback for you or him and oh, right. have an issue long term. Yeah, I understand the guy's got to make, you know, he's got to make some money because mm-hmm. he's spending this time. So, but uh, I don't know, it just was kind of a hard pill to swallow. So, but I appreciate your, yeah, your I, information. Yeah, I think go back and have a, you know, calm conversation about it and, uh, you know, just kind of see where, where it goes from there. <laughs> it, it uh, okay. yeah. I would. All right. Thanks, Jerry. I appreciate the call. Yeah, sometimes, you know, um, you you diagnose a car and you're not always correct. Most of the time, you are. Mm -hmm. But, you know, in the same token, it's it's, uh, it's not an exact science. We've all had those cars where you get it in, you look at it, you go the extra mile. And then we've had those cars where anytime you open the hood, there's another problem. Oh yeah, and yeah. Things just snowball into another, into another, into another, and then for the for the most part, you know, we fix <clears throat> pretty much all the cars that we that come through, and you know, and don't have an issue with that. But there are ones you struggle with because oh, yeah. it's just out of the ordinary, you know. And we we had two of those in the last couple of weeks, you know, <laughs> and uh, just struggle with it because you you just it was a one off thing on a car that just doesn't have those problems. Doesn't have those problems, <clears throat> and it, it took us a while. We got to the bottom of it. <laughs> Most certainly we did, but it just it just took a while for that to happen. But you know, as a practicing ter- attorneys and a practicing physicians, we're practicing mechanics. Yeah. So. Yeah. Not it's one of those things I look at like, you know, I don't think you can ever be a professional mechanic because you're always going to see something new. You like, always see something new. I'm a professional skydiver. Really? You've just done it so many times and haven't died. <laughs> <laughs> Same with I'm a professional shark diver. I dive with sharks. You just haven't gotten eaten yet. I think the prof- <laughs> I think the professional part comes from the fact that when you're you know you're having problems and you're able to figure them out better, quicker, and faster than anybody else is. Yeah, you know, just because you've been down that road and you know what avenues to take to get it solved. Yeah, cars can be can be easy and they can be super tough. And there are yeah. a lot. You know, to, to that point that we were talking about on that heater deal, I mean, there was ones, I remember Ford. Ford had a problem with with certain heater boxes, and if the if the part broke, the fix was mm-hmm. to replace the entire heater box. Yeah, GM on the terrain did the same thing because they would warp because of where the blend door is as opposed to the heater core. Mm-hmm. It snapped the end of the door off. Mm-hmm. And so you didn't go in and replace the blend door motor or just the door. The fix for that was to replace the whole darn thing. Mm-hmm. And you don't get you don't go get a used one because you're, you're going to have the same, the same problem. problem. Yeah. So now you got to buy a four hundred dollar uh, heater box or a twelve hundred dollar heater box that uh, has everything with it in order to solve all your problems and keep it solved. That's probably the biggest thing. Yeah. Is to keep it solved mm-hmm. because. What what's plastic plastic does is it just it warps back and forth and back and forth and next thing you know it, it doesn't work like it's especially with to. a heater box because it's hot and it's cold yeah give or take the season yeah one year one part of the year it's two hundred degrees another part of the year it's 
thirty. You know, and I and I'm so happy. The other day we did some car repair on on a coolant uh, piece on a GM product that is plastic, and they bust all the time. And I was amazed to look at an aftermarket part that was metal. So that's the one. Isn't we that used. great? It's a metal aluminum one. I said, you know, now we're going to put this on. So you're, you're talking about never, the thermostat housing. Yep. We're never <laughs> going to have this problem again. And she said, well, thank you. Cause I've done it three times. I said, I know it, but it yeah, is what it Chrysler is. Chrysler oil filter. It can only replace it with what's coming out. So yeah, I think we're going to head over to uh, Greg. Greg's got a 08 Colorado. Greg, what's up today? Good morning guys. Say last night, the rear shock bolt fell off or came loose, messed mm. up the shock. Mm-hmm. And as I'm buying, trying to buy a new shock, I can't find a, a bolt listed for the shock. Is that just a common size now, or <laughs> does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it's going to be a pretty tight tolerance. Otherwise, it's going to come loose and rattle or break or mess up the differential. Sure. Um, yeah. I mean, they're going to be metric for sure. I yeah. mean, we know that. Um Ah, but and they don't have any. I, I don't think they have. Yeah, anything. it's going to be a shouldered bolt too. Yeah, I don't think they have anything in the. Yeah, when I go on like O'Reilly or something, it you think it pop up like, oh, you might also want this. And no, that's not going to be like a, any of that. It's not a part you normally need to change. No, um, no, it just that the salt that gets down on the road a lot of times just locks everything into place. Well, yeah. what we normally do is in that case, if I can't, like you say, you want a certain thickness to it is either go to um, the dealership, obviously, to, to find one, and they're not going to have one in stock. They'll have to order that. Or we yeah. go to a, no, a local hardware store, like uh, somebody that's got a lot of stuff, like Menards or, or Lowe's. And the last place that we go to is a... a salvage yard. Well, that, yeah, salvage <laughs> yard or a specific place that does that. Uh, you'll probably, you'll need, sure. a, you'll need an example, so you're going to have to Hopefully take, take one, one off. Yeah, yeah. But there's a place in town like, oh, uh, Fastenal and Nia Fasteners uh, will have every kind of nut and bolt and, and shouldered thing that sure. you want. So that's it's like the grade 10 or something. I yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, grade, grade 8 is kind of what you'd like to have. And, and that's kind of how we do it. It's we, quite honestly, when we take things apart or we do use stuff or something like that, we've got a five gallon bucket that we throw all our used bolts in. Yeah. And, sure. uh, it's been more than a few times. We'll throw Dump it on that whole bucket out <laughs> and you're just looking yeah, for that needle in the haystack. Yeah. Needle in a haystack. We always <laughs> seem to find it though. And then we get our 14 scoop size scoop shovel and we put it all back in the bucket <laughs> until we need it again. And we don't need it all the time, but guys, it's a lifesaver when you need it. That's how we exactly. usually do it. That's why I save all my stuff, and then I throw it out, and I need it the next day. It's it's yeah oh yeah yeah absolutely. It's great to prop the door open too. No no, no tornadoes knocking this five gallon bucket of bolts over either. So gotcha. it, that's how we do it. All right, I'll head to the store. All right, appreciate the call. All right, thanks guys. You bet. All right, we're gonna head over to Greg. Greg's got a seventeen F one fifty. Greg, Greg, you out there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. What's going on today? I had a check engine light come on in my truck, and a code came up with the PCV valve or PVC valve, and I had oil on top of the block. Would that be coming from that? Hmm. Is that uh, what kind of engine's in it? Six-owner or V8? Three, five, e- EcoBoost. EcoBoost. Okay. 
PCB. Okay. So uh, have you inspected the hoses at all to, to make sure that we got anything that's... Yeah. Yeah, okay. everything looked fine. I didn't see any leaks, you know. And you had I didn't see the oil on top of the block until I took that cover that's on there. Sure. Can you tell where that's coming from? No. I had okay. no idea. Okay. Um, I didn't know if that was just blowing it up because that valve was plugged. Or? Well, it could be. Yeah, it could, could be. Yeah, you'll blow out valve cover gaskets. Yeah, especially with the... Uh, you know the turbo, you're 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 creating quite a bit of pressure there, but it's got to have a, and that's what the PCB their system there for is to kind of you know reburn all that hydrocarbons that are in there, and you've got to have a free flow, and usually the the vent tube that's going that way could collapse, and that's why mm-hmm. it, it doesn't that collapse off the the hose and, and creates a pressure, um, or yeah, your PCB valve could also be bad, yeah. Yeah, well, the code came up that that was bad. Yeah, it's... it's I put a new one in, it made it about a week, and then my check engine light came on again. Yeah, so I, I think... I don't know if I got a bad valve or... Well, your oil leak could also be causing that, too. So it's seeing an access, it's seeing a leak that, that's not that's Not, not normal, metered. Not metered, correct. There you go. It's, it's, it's seeing an unmetered leak and that's coming in from somewhere else instead of coming through the throttle body, and that's how they design, they want... The, the engineering wants every bit of air to come through that throttle body. If it sees something else, it's kicking on a check engine light because of that. So your next step okay. is to see where our oil leak's coming from and see what gasket's leaking from because I think that's your problem. Okay, it wouldn't throw another code for something else? Eh, not not for a leak. Not for that. It okay. might throw another code yeah, for I, something I, else. but On a Ford, it could take a while for it to throw another code. Yeah. Yeah, but your telltale sign is the fact that it's leaking somewhere, and when you let off the gas, it's sucking air in through there, mm-hmm. um, and when it does that, it throws the oxygen sensor off, and therefore it kicks off a code in, in the closest sensor it can find. Yeah. It's not a lot of oil. It's, you know, just a few drops, but it's still oil on top of the block, and that concerned me. Yeah, that's not normal. Not normal. No. I would probably say that what we normally do with those most times is valve cover gaskets. And they are a, not a normal valve cover gasket. No, either. they aren't. They aren't. They're very involved. Pretty pricey to get those replaced. Oh, the parts aren't too bad. The labor is. It's just it looks uh, like a, it looks like a bomb went off when you uh, do the valve cover gaskets because there's so much very stuff you got to take off. Very intimidating. Very intimidating. Yes, it's very <laughs> intimidating. It's it. just it's nuts and bolts though. You just have to have a lot of hard plastic lines and oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They're a fun one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first place. Like yeah, I understand. That's the first place I'd start, though, is take a look at that. Okay. Appreciate the call. All right, we're going to head over to uh, John's. Got an 05 Sebring. John, what's going on today? Well, uh, how are you guys doing? Good. It's the weirdest thing. While the cars, it takes it a while to warm up, and then while I'm driving, the heater blows hot air into the cat. When I'm stopped at a light, it still blows air, but the air is now cold. I had no idea what's causing this. The car's from Florida, so I don't even know if it's got a thermostat. I haven't had the car very long. So what would be making that happen? Any idea? You've either got, is it low on antifreeze, do you know? No, it doesn't leak at all. I've had it checked and checked again. I think there's got air in the system. That's what I think. 
That's the only thing you're down oh. to. Yeah. So if you're racing, there's it, cooling in that heater core. It's going to be hot. Yeah. If you're racing it up and driving down the road, then uh, everything's getting hot and everything's working fine. You're forcing that coolant into the uh, the heater core, and as you let it go down, everything's draining back down. So there's a bleeder on top of the engine there. I would take a look at that and bleed the system out first. Otherwise, you've got a heater core problem. Woodhouse Nissan makes shopping for your next vehicle simple. Browse our inventory, apply for financing, and more from the comfort of your own home. Right now, receive 0% APR for 36 months or 1.9% APR for 60 months on the 2023 Nissan Rogue SV. With approved credit, tax title license extra, $299 doc fee due at signing when financed through NMAX slash Infinity LT. Discounted price based on sale price of $31,620. VIN number PW351338. Offer expires 2-29-24. See dealer for details.